Good afternoon and welcome to Stories in Public Health. You're here with your host, Emily, and today we have with us our lovely producer, Dylan. Say hi, everyone, Dylan. Hi, everyone. Um, and today we're going to be interviewing Dr. Chris Lowbridge from um, the New South Wales Ministry of Health. Um, he's an ED uh, trained nurse who did a Master of Public Health at Sydney University and then went on to do the Public Health Officer Training Program um, through UNSW, Chris? Through, through the Ministry of Health. Through the with, Ministry uh, of Health. UNSW. Um, and he's now the TB Program Manager at the New South, New South Wales Ministry of Health. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Uh, so maybe you could start by telling us um, something that you're working on at the moment, that you've been working on recently, that you're quite excited about or that's had some real-world implications. Hmm. Um, sure. So at the, at the moment... Um, uh, I'm working as the um, the state TB program manager here at um, Health Protection uh, New South Wales, and um, so I guess um, at the moment it's kind of a, an exciting and, and challenging time for TB control uh, here in uh, New South Wales and Australia and globally, in that um, we're moving to sort of I guess a new stage of TB control and moving towards TB elimination. Mm. Um, so that's something that um, recently has. Um, sort of prompted us to to look at how we um, uh, manage TB and our, our strategies for um, further reducing the incidence of um, TB uh, here in Australia and overseas. So what was the difference between before and now? Like, what are the changes? I guess the changes are... Um, I guess striving um, to achieve much uh, lower incidence rates of um, TB, sort of working towards uh, reaching TB uh, elimination, um, whereas it, in the past, I guess, strategies have been uh, more focused on uh, managing people that have um, TB disease. Now we're looking sort of much more at um, uh, reducing the incidence of TB disease by uh, increasing screening for uh, infection and uh, and preventive treatment. So for some people who don't know a lot about TB, I know that you're very interested in it. Um, so what does that mean in terms of um, getting people on treatment? Can it be treated? Can they be cured? Or once they've got it, it's forever? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. So uh, I guess TB is a, a treatable uh, condition. So um, it's it's a disease that is uh, spread uh, through the the air through the air and um, can be breathed in um, uh, and uh, infect someone often uh, in their lungs. Um, once somebody's infected, uh, they uh, have about a say about ten percent some chance of going on to develop TB disease, which is when they might develop symptoms and, and become sick. Um, so we can uh, screen people for TB infection, and, and if uh, we find it, offer preventative treatment to uh, to stop them from going on to developing TB disease. Okay. So some of our strategies at the moment are sort of looking at at who we uh, test for TB and and recommend preventive treatment for. So who do we do it for at the moment? What's our incidence like in a Australia is it low? Yeah the incidence of TB in Australia is very low. Um, we've had uh, a really successful TB control um, over many many decades in Australia and um, and now have a, a very low rate compared to many other uh, countries in the world. Um, however uh, I guess like uh, other infectious diseases um, TB sort of doesn't respect international um, yeah. borders so as long as we have high rates of TB in our, our neighbouring uh, countries and countries 
uh, elsewhere in the world. Uh, it's going to be an ongoing uh, sort of challenge to public health here in And in so a lot, are a lot of our cases imported? Uh, yeah, a lot of cases uh, come from people who are who are born um, in countries that have a high risk of TB, or, or have otherwise lived in or, or travelled um, to to countries where there's still a what lot of TB. What are some high risk countries? Um, many parts of the world are still fairly high risk for TB. So okay. a lot of uh, Southeast Asia and um, uh, Southern and Central Asia and, and Africa, the, oh, so the rates of TB are still very high. So close neighbours as well. Yeah. It yeah. Like. Excellent. And so how did you first get into TB now that that's sort of your area of research? So I know you did the public health officer training program. Was it something Mm. you worked on while you were in the training program? Um, Not really. I was kind of uh, just lucky to sort of fall into working in TB. So as I uh, was coming towards the end of my um, three-year public health training program, uh, an opportunity came up within the communicable disease branch at New South Wales Health um, uh, for a, a position or secondment as the um, the TB epidemiologist, um, which I applied for, and and that's sort of how I, I started working in TB, and uh, and have you know continued to work since. Yes, and I know you've worked um, in some other countries around the world in TB as well, which we'll mm. touch on in a little bit. But I'd first like to ask you about the training program. So. Um, for people who don't know, um, you do different placements throughout the training program. So, what were yeah. some of your placements when you did the training program? Um, yeah. So, so for background, the the New South Wales Public Health Officer Training Program is a three year um, sort of workplace based training program in in public health, and it allows you to sort of get uh, experience rotating through different um, sort of branches and divisions within. Uh, New South Wales Health and as, as well as other sort of public health organisations and local health districts in, yeah. in New South Wales. Um, so when I was uh, on, on the program, I, I spent some time working uh, in the then biopreparedness um, unit and that was during uh, during the time of the, the swine flu pandemic. Oh, that so must did, have been interesting. Yeah, a lot of um, work looking at sort of... Um, uh, policy and, uh, and and sort of management of, of um, the, the swine flu pandemic. Um, then worked in the communicable disease um, branch there on a range of different sort of infectious disease related things. Um, I did some time working um, with the National Centre for Immunisation yep. Research and Surveillance, working on a couple of different sort of epidemiological uh, research projects there. Um, and then had a bit of a, a break from infectious diseases and um, I did a rural placement working up in uh, Lismore on the north coast of New South Wales. Get your surfing in. Got a lot of surfing <laughs> in, which was nice. Um, and uh, and also uh, worked in the, the health promotion unit up there and worked on uh, a couple of different projects around um, healthy urban planning and, and promoting sort of active lifestyles. Was that interesting? Mm. I was going to ask you about health promotion because mm. uh, I think a lot of the things that we have been talking to today have been about epidemiology, but it was interesting looking at health from a different perspective, health promotion. Yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, It was, uh, you know, very, yeah, very interesting interesting to look at um, uh, different kinds of uh, health problems like non-communicable um, diseases and, and the sort of impact and, and burden of those conditions on on the population. And it's also interesting and, and good to get some experience working in a do- another area of public health um, 
because you know in different areas and and disciplines have their own sort of ways of you know approaching problems and and issues so it's good to get that varied experience yeah i think that i would like a bit more experience in some other areas i'll probably try and work on that at some point (laughs) um so before we go on to something i'm sure a lot of um people will be interested to hear about your work with who um oh i did have a question and i've forgotten it we might have to cut this out I have a question if you want. Excellent. Thank you for saving me, Dylan. Um, just going back to TB again. Yeah. You mentioned that the management of, well, the strategy for TB in Australia changed uh, from being more of a management of current cases to actually reducing the incidence. Is that because treatment options have changed or is why do you think that um, that change has happened? Uh, I think the treatment has stayed largely the same. Um, in, interestingly, many many of the drugs that we use to treat TB have been around since well uh, since the 1950s and 60s, and and are the original sort of TB drugs that were were first used. So uh, the treatment hasn't changed a lot, um, but I think it's. Uh, uh, the the change in sort of strategy and direction, I guess, has come from a kind of um, a global perspective, um, probably led by WHO and, and international organisations, sort of, and just kind of, I guess, to um, draw on the the achievements that have been made globally in in TB control and sort of. Um, you know, look now at to how we continue to uh, to make gains in in TB control um, in into the future. Yeah. So kind of going from being in the too hard basket to hang on, we could probably actually do this. Uh, somewhat. Yeah. 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 Thank you for saving me, Dylan. I remember my question now. <laughs> so before we got here, Dylan and I were actually talking about, and I thought you'd be a good person to ask about the advantages um, of doing different programs. So maybe doing a PhD as opposed mm. to a training program like the Public Health Officer Training Program. Mm. So what are your thoughts around sort of the advantages of doing sort of a different type of program? Yeah, um, good question. I guess um, it really probably depends on on where you see your kind of overall career heading and and what kind of area of work you're interested in in ending up in down the track um and i guess there's there's pros and cons to each um option um i mean uh from from my experience uh the public health officer training program was great in that it was a really good opportunity to get experience practical experience working in a range of different areas of public health and working on different um, public health problems um but then if you've got a really specific area of interest and you might be more uh, interested in in pursuing um, an academic career then perhaps a PhD will give you a more focused and specialized kind of experience within that area that you're you're interested in Uh, so I guess it depends on on where you see yourself headed Mm. that's a very good answer Um, and now um, I know recently well maybe not so recently anymore you went overseas and worked on the Stop TB program with WHO could you tell us a little bit about that how you got involved and what it was like uh, yes, I did um, a, a few things with WHO uh, overseas recently. The first one um, uh, was working uh, in um, uh, Sierra Leone in West Africa, and uh, I was deployed there through um, through a program which is the Stop Polio, Stop Transmission oh, of Polio. Oh, sorry, I said Stop TB. Sorry. <laughs> um, so the Stop. Uh, uh, 
So Stop Transmission, a polio program, is a, a global sort of initiative between WHO and uh, the US CDC, as, as along with sort of other um, partners and, and stakeholders such as UNICEF and the Gates Foundation. Uh, it's been going for quite some time now, where they, um, where WHO and, and CDC recruit um, uh, epidemiologists and uh, data managers and communication specialists, um, provide some um, background training and deploy them around the world to to tackle various sort of issues with um, polio uh, eradication and also some other um, uh, things around uh, other vaccine preventable diseases such as measles. Uh, and so people are, are deployed to uh, mostly to, to countries where there's a, a particular need um, uh, such as um, you know countries that, that still have um, uh, endemic polio like Afghanistan and, and Pakistan uh, and then other countries that might have particular sort of needs uh, or gaps in, in their health system yeah. to, to um, pursue their um, polio uh, eradication goals. Um, so yeah, I was, I was deployed to Sierra Leone for six months and um, worked on yeah, a number of different sort of um, uh, projects and, um, and areas while I was there. But um, so the, the time that I was there was around sort of towards the end of the Ebola uh, outbreak. And so yeah. uh, a lot of the work sort of focused on getting their immunization programs and their um, uh, disease surveillance systems sort of back up and running after sort of or in the, in the wake of the Ebola. So it was were most resources put into Ebola. So the other programs were sort of mm. didn't have as much resources going into them during that. Yeah, that's right. So it, the Ebola outbreak um, was was quite devastating for uh, Sierra Leone and and uh, Liberia and Guinea also um, and really sort of the the scale of the epidemic really required most resources within their sort of already yeah. ex- limited health system to be sort of deployed towards um, Ebola um, so which un, you know unfortunately had consequences for you know other programs yeah. like immunization mm. and so what were some of the sort of challenges working in such a different environment to working in New South Wales yeah I guess um, foremost is is resourcing and yeah. uh, coming from a country like Australia and, and a, a health system like New South Wales health that is uh, you know so well resourced um, to a country which um, you know has such minimal uh, resources to yeah. uh, you know invest in um, you know building a health system um, it, it's certainly a huge uh, challenge and um, being new to that kind of environment uh, was you know it was hard to sort of get used to and a- adjust yeah. to um, you know but it's there's a lot of really amazing work um, going on there despite the the challenges and a lot of really committed people and I think it um, you know, working in a, a challenging resource limited setting like that sort of pushes you to be a bit, um, you know, creative and yeah. um, uh, inventive with how you sort of approach the, the challenges and problems there. Yeah. And what was it like before you went for maybe people who've done their training and they're thinking about maybe going to work in more resource poor setting or something that's quite different from them? Mm. Um, was it a bit nerve wracking before you left, so going into something so unknown? Yeah, it was. It was um, uh, my first uh, first time travelling to Africa, um, and my first you know big stint of, of overseas work. 
Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty um, daunting um, heading over there and not really knowing sort of what to expect. Um, but it was you know really exciting as well. Um, I'm lucky in that I've you know travelled um, quite a bit in um, developing countries beforehand. So I had you know some I guess expectations about sort of the living conditions and and what it would be like there. But um, yeah, I guess you never quite know until you actually hit the ground but yeah. um and do you think it would be a good idea if someone was going to do something like to talk to other people who've done similar work would that be mm, useful yeah absolutely so that's um something that i i did a lot before i i went i'd um been sort of trying to to sort of break into global health for for some time before i went to sierra leone and um you know one one thing that i i did was talk to as many friends and colleagues that had done that kind of work um as i could and, and got um some insights into their experiences and, and tips and that was really helpful so i'd definitely recommend doing that yeah and speaking of trying to break into global health i think that's an area that um certainly some of the students that I've worked with this year have a real interest in. So how mm. did you break into it? Did you have to apply for a lot of positions? Yeah, um, really a, a lot of persistence. Uh, it's It was really challenging to sort of get your foot in the door. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of work out there and a lot of opportunities, but if you don't have that um, experience, it can be really hard to 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 yeah to get that foot in the door so i guess i would recommend um just being really persistent putting in lots and lots of applications getting help from um friends and colleagues that have done that kind of work um help get them to help with your application and um and uh tailor it to to sort of um you know what they're looking for um in in those positions um and i guess just don't don't give up just keep applying and applying and the other really important thing too is um i mean a lot of it is about having good networks as well um so if you know people that are working in in areas overseas talk to them find out what's going on and uh and sort of build build your professional networks because um yeah having good good contacts can often lead to opportunities that's very good advice and so that opportunity led to some other overseas opportunities i understand yeah it did so um uh i guess getting that experience over there um allowed me to meet uh, many other people that worked for who and other organizations and and through them have sort of, sort of got me into the the loop on on a lot of other positions and work that has, has come up since then um but then i also uh ended up um uh, taking through through some other I guess uh, contacts of mine taking some work um, with WHO again but working in the Western Pacific Regional Office in Manila in the Philippines yeah and how was that that was different being a more um, like a regional head office yeah very different to the experience in Sierra Leone um, but really interesting and uh, and um, uh, challenging and, and a good experience as well so what sort of t- type of work were you doing over in Manila uh, so in, in Manila, I was, I was working more in the area of um, uh, emerging diseases and, and regional disease surveillance for the yeah. Western Pacific region. And do you have any sort of thoughts or um, any challenges or highlights from that experience? Uh, yeah, so it was the, the type of work was very different. So Sierra Leone was really a, um, a field-based, field-epi uh, kind of position. Yeah. I was out in the field visiting health centres and 
doing outbreak response and and uh, working with the Ministry of Health a lot uh, in Manila. Um, yeah, I was really sort of based within the the regional office of WHO, um, sort of behind a desk and a computer. Um, but it had, you know, other, definite other challenges uh, as well. So it involved working with um, uh, WHO colleagues and Ministry of Health um, counterparts in the uh, member states and other countries in the, the Western Pacific region. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of uh, challenges around, um, you know, communication and, um, you know, networks and uh, international diplomacy and <laughs> those sorts of things. Great. And so I've got one final wrap-up question, but I'll just throw to Dylan and see if he has any final questions. No, he's shaking his head at me, everyone. Um, so apart from persistence, what do you think is something that's really worked well for you or a piece of advice that you think is something that helps you in your day-to-day or has helped in your career to date? Yeah, good question. I think, um, I think like, I, like I mentioned before, I think in, in public health, um, it's a field that uh, is surprisingly small you come across people that you've met before all over the world even when I was in Sierra Leone I bumped into people that I'd I'd worked with here and elsewhere Um, so it it is a a relatively small field um, but it's you know quite a a tight field it's um, it's a field that attracts really nice uh, people I've found and and so I guess I really recommend um, just getting out there meeting uh, people working in the areas that you're interested in working in building those professional networks and um you know it uh you never know where it will pay off down the track that's very good advice all right well thank you very much for joining us we appreciate it Um, and thank you everyone for listening